Hey friend, thanks for checking out the Crosspoint Church podcast. It's our hope that these messages will encourage you to grow and thrive in your relationship with Christ. You can find more like this at thecrosspoint.com. So good to see you guys. Welcome. Those of you joining us online, you can't be with us. So I'm so glad you're with us so you can gather around God's Word. Trusting that you guys had a, a good Thanksgiving, some good food, uh, maybe some good rest, maybe a football game or two. Yeah? No? Uh, <laughs> and, you know, in spite of family tension, which maybe some of you experience it, you know, it's just... It's almost inevitable that during the holiday season when you haven't seen each other for a whole year and then you throw everybody in one room and say, now act like you love each other. And you, you sort of feel that tension, okay, here we go. And hopefully that in spite of that, that you, you still had some good moments. We're in this series, as you saw, uh, about good father. I don't know when I've felt such a longing in my heart to continue. It's like, oh man, I, I don't really want to end this series, but we're going to be entering Advent season and sharing in the next few weeks about do you hear what I hear. But today, I want to talk about the Father, and I want to start by just sharing this statement with you that's been on my heart the last few days. There is an adversary who wants you to believe lies about the Heavenly Father and to destroy any potential of a relationship with Him. If I could just sit across from you, just me and you, those of you in this room or those of you online, I would say this to you, there is an adversary who wants you to believe lies about the Father and destroy your relationship with him. Even if you are not a follower of Jesus, he wants to keep you from ever approaching God. He's very intent on that. I know we don't, we, don't, we just think, hey, you know, there's no devil, there's, you know, what, whatever, pastor, you know, I know you believe in that stuff. No, there is an adversary. And he's so subtle in making you believe he doesn't exist that you start to believe what he says. And I think it's so pivotal that we understand this as we look at the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 11 about how Jesus thinks and talks about the Father. And Jesus says in another place in John chapter 14, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So he's saying, you wanna know what God is like? Look at me. But this is part of Jesus' heart. We often, I mean, it is all about Jesus and it's about the cross, but ultimately behind that, there is a person. And we're to call him Father. I was thinking about fatherhood. I was thinking about uh, this video that went viral on Facebook uh, the, between this dad and his son. I just want to show you, maybe you saw this, but maybe it'll bring back memories to you if you've seen this. Yeah. That's what I said. And then he was like, ah, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, what in the world? But don't do that here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah.
<laughs> we think a lot alike, huh? Oh, that's crazy. Right. I love that because I, I think there's something primal in, in us that we relate to that. It's like we want somebody to get us. We, and, and, and we long for, even if those of us in the room, maybe, maybe you've had uh, an earthly father who was very dysfunctional and, and you just can't even go there in your heart this morning. But there's something in us, and we go, even with our jabber, that somebody would understand and go, I know what you're saying. And Jesus is gonna tell us there is a father who gets us who understands, and that's why he gives us these words in, in Luke chapter 11 where we are, and he begins in verse nine, and he says, and I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father? Among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? I want to put a comma there. I just help you get us to listen to this. In fact, would you just read this with me? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? So Jesus is talking about the Father. He wants us to know the Father. The setting here, the context, Luke chapter 11, he begins in verse one where it says that after Jesus had finished praying, so Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. What this tells me is that Jesus prayed in such a way that his disciples are thinking, Wow, Jesus has a relationship with God that we don't quite get. We're not on the same place, the same plane with Jesus. I want to pray like Jesus. So Jesus gives them that structure, that prayer that we talked about a few weeks ago. He says, well, pray like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And he gives them this template. It's not meant to be something you just recite, you know, through our Father, which are in the kingdom of God. Okay, done that. No, this is meant to be a way of life. We're to enter into, and those of us who follow Jesus are meant to use that as a way of relating to God. God, I want your name to be holy in all the earth. I want everybody to know your name and how good you are. I want your kingdom to come, and I want to do it with you. And so he invites us, not like, not like you know, little scumbags to come around the throne, but to come as princes and princesses, as children, to say, Father, we're going to work in the world to bring about your kingdom and see it fulfilled in the earth. Though Jesus is teaching us how to relate to the Father, he continues in this chapter, Luke does, and very specifically showing us how we're to relate to God. And this is the context. He gets to verse nine where we just read. So pray in this way and, and ask and 
seek and knock. And if you look at another translation, you'll see that this is a continual thing. It's not just ask one time, seek one time. No, it's ask, keep on asking, seek, keep on seeking, knock, keep on knocking. This is the way of living with the Father. This is a way of communication with the Father. And what Jesus is showing us is he's combating a lie and a misunderstanding about how to relate to God. And I believe this is the root of the lie, is that your Father in heaven doesn't really want to hear from you. That's the lie. Your Father in heaven is just sort of grumpy and aggravated with the world, and so Jesus had to come along and deal with the grumpy old man of the Old Testament, and so that you, when you feel like, oh, God's mad at me, well, Jesus will say, well, you come to me and I'll deal with the Father. And Jesus is undermining that. He's saying, no, don't believe that. Actually, I, I want to present to you a different kind of father. And what, what the enemy does and what the world does, and sometimes what we do just in the nature of who we are and raised in the kind of context we are, we take something that is true about God and we blow it up and we overlook everything else that's decent. We do that with, I don't know if you've ever sat down and had a caricature drawing at an amusement park, at a theme park. You say, okay, so draw me a quick picture. And so they, what do they do? They take some feature of you and they blow it up. So if you have real bushy eyebrows, they're going to make one unibrow, you know, or if you got Big ears are going to make them like huge, massive, or me, bald. They're going to accent my weird features so that you can look at it. I'll go, oh, I kind of know who that is. Yeah, it's a little different, but yeah, I know. And this is what the enemy does. He characterizes God, takes something that's true and real like God's holiness or God's justice and then makes that the main point so that you overlook the truth about God's compassion, God's mercy, or how the scripture says his love endures forever. What about that? Oh, but God is holy. Yes, he is. And we should fear him. Yes, but he is wonderful, merciful, counselor, mighty God, Prince of Peace. His love endures forever. You can't fathom his compassion and his love. It would blow your mind if you could really get your arms around it. And I believe that this is what Jesus is saying, that there are wrong ideas about God the Father so that sometimes there are impersonators and scams, just like in real life. This is happening to us in our office there are people that somehow scope out our website. They know that I'm the lead pastor, so they send notes to our team to say, hey, this is Pastor Sean. I just want you to know I'm in a meeting right now. I don't want to be bothered. But can you go to Walgreens and get some gift cards for me? This really happens. I'm like, somebody has way too much time on their hands. Does this happen to anybody else in the room or has it just happened to the pastor? Yeah so, it's, yeah, so somebody impersonates you. So I've had to tell the team, look, if somebody sends you an email and says, don't bother me, you can know right there, it's not me. Because I'm not gonna do that to you. Bother me. If you're curious, you know, bother me. My door's open, I'm here for you. 
But what I'm trying to do is show that somebody is impersonating me. It's like all these scams that go around. Hey, this is your bank calling. If you just give me your account number, we'll transfer some funds back into your account that accidentally got pulled out. Really happens. You go, no, this, this is not the bank. Don't believe them. So your bank sends a note to say, if somebody says this, it's not me. This is kind of what Jesus is doing. He's saying that there are impersonations and caricatures of God the Father that are not true. So he relates it to something that we look at to get some idea about who the Father is, and that's our earthly fathers, which presents a problem. So Jesus says in verse 11, so let's take you for instance. What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a cottonmouth moccasin? There's no, there's no earthly dad who's worth anything that would do something like that. Or if he asks for an egg, hey dad, I'm, you know, how about some huevos rancheros? How about an egg McMuffin? All right, son, here we go. Here's a scorpion. Now, Jesus is being dramatic here on purpose. So there's no earthly dad that would do that. And he says, if you then who are evil, wait, time out, Jesus. I'm a pretty decent dad. I know that's what we're saying right now. Nobody would do that, but he looks at the dads in the room. He says, if you then who are evil wouldn't do such a thing, how much more? He's gonna contrast Heavenly fathers with earthly fathers. And I know nobody in the room wants to think of themselves as evil, but Jesus right here isn't concerned about your reputation. He's concerned about his father's reputation. And he's saying that you, on your best days, dad, we've got some awesome dads in this church, great fathers, but you compared to the heavenly father, he's gonna say you're just evil. In other words, you don't hit the mark. You don't even come close. You're not in the same league as a heavenly father. Compared to him, you don't cut the mustard. So it's like a few weeks ago, I don't know if this happens to you, I was driving down Sekman Road, the morning sun was breaking through, and my windshield was like, Man, am I going blind or what? And you go, no, the windshield's dirty, man. You need to clean this thing. It's like, what, how does all this stuff get on the inside of my windshield? You know, so I've got the wipers going and the windshield washer fluid and trying to clean it off. And it's like, I can't see. I'm gonna get home and clean this thing. So I get home and I'm cleaning it, you know, all the little bug spots and all this stuff. I get on the inside and I'm scrubbing with ammonia and vinegar. I think, man, that looks amazing. It looks so clean. And then the next morning, I pull down Segment Road and the light breaks through and what happens? I miss some stuff. How did I miss that? I mean, there are handprints and there's Odie's nose prints on there. And it's like streaks and like, can't you see the clean? It was like, even as good as I could do it, it's still a dim Shady, cloudy windshield. 
And this is the way it is with the Father, that we look at our earthly fathers, we get a glimpse on good days, but it's still a cloudy picture of what the heavenly Father is. So that when Jesus says, I want you to know the Father, and the light of the cross shines on the Father, that we don't go, wow, look at all those flaws. No, we actually start going, how wonderful. How amazing, how marvelous is our God's love toward us. He's the only person in the universe that this is possible. When you and I, when we get closer, what do we see? Okay, let me ask that about myself. What do you see when you get up close and personal to me? No, you don't. You go, (laughs) you're going, here's what people say to me. Pastor Sean, are you okay? You look tired. I go, no, it's just old. It's old. That's what it is. You get up close, you look worse. I know nobody in this room, you know, not me. I look great. I look awesome. No, we all look better from far away. We do. Not with God. In fact, he's the only person in the universe that actually works the opposite. The farther you are away from God, where you just pick a verse out of the Old Testament, you pick a verse in the news, well, what about this over here? You Christian, what, what does this mean? And then over, you, you won't get it. It'll be distorted. It'll be a dirty windshield. You won't understand. But the closer you get to him, because Jesus Christ makes a way that you can get up close, you get up close to him, you go, wow, he's awesome. He's wonderful. You stand at a distance, you won't get him. But people, we look better from far away, not God. So Jesus says, here's the way I want you to understand God. TJ, our pastor on our our team, he said, this week as we were praying, he said, I've been learning to assume the willingness of God rather than the reluctance of God. And you can feel the whole room, all of us praying, just go, wow, he's right. What we do and what the enemy does and what the world does is try to put us in this box where we just sort of look at God and go, God, I know you're reluctant. I know you're, I know you're busy. I know you don't really want to hear from me, but here I am. Let's assume the willingness of God. If you being evil know how to give good gifts. So Jesus is saying, don't confuse your earthly father with your heavenly father. You get a little bit of it, but you're not really getting it completely. No, I want you to see God as a a, a refreshingly willing God who wants to hear from this, us. Ask, keep on asking. Seek, keep on seeking. Knock, keep on knocking. How much more will your Father in heaven know how to give good gifts. What is he going to give us? Is he going to give us everything we want? Well, I pray for things that doesn't happen, Sean. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Well, he doesn't, he doesn't give us everything we ask for. And you better be glad about that. Thank God for unanswered prayers. 
Thank God that all the girls that I thought I was supposed to marry, I didn't marry. <laughs> God, please. No. Thank you. <laughs> so sometimes God knows more. I'm, I know this doesn't answer every question in the room, but sometimes God knows more about what we need than we know. I'm thinking about being in Salt Lake City. I was at a gate and I was trying to go west to California and I was on that hub and I was waiting for a flight and these snowstorms are blowing in from the west so they said, you can't get there till be tomorrow. I said, well, just send me back home. I'm waiting on a flight to go back to St. Louis. Meanwhile, next gate over, there's a flight to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Sounds awesome. Except there is a snowstorm blowing in. It's a delay after delay after delay and people are getting real antsy and I can hear them talk. And in fact, this one young lady who was at the counter just, you know, leaning over looking at the clerk there and finally said, I have a wedding reception to go to. I want to know when this plane is leaving. This is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And that flight attendant goes, look, I, I don't control the weather. I don't know what to tell you. And finally, the pilot who's standing there waiting to go on the plane, he hears it. He comes over. He said, ma'am, I want to tell you something. I understand this wedding reception is real important, but right now your safety is more important to me than your wedding reception. Well, she was speechless. She was like, what do you say to that? <laughs> and yeah, okay, I, I get it. And there are sometimes, again, this doesn't answer every question, but sometimes when we're praying and God says, there are some things that are more important to me than you getting what you want right now. So he says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And we're meant to go, yes, wow. Isn't that amazing we get the Holy Spirit? But I bet some of you are right now going, but I didn't ask for the Holy Spirit. I asked for, here's the blank, I asked for, a spouse, I wanted to get married. I wanted my children to come home. I wanted a new job. That's what, I just want my problems to go away. And Jesus says, I'm gonna give you the Holy Spirit. And sort, you know, some of us maybe feel like, that's sort of like going to the apple butter festival and they say, well, we're out of apple butter, but we do have prune butter. Are you going to Pappy's barbecue and say, well, we're out of barbecue, but hey, we've got some baked fish. I didn't come here for baked fish. I came to get my hands dirty and get barbecue sauce all over the front of my outfit because I want some barbecue. But it's because we don't understand what God knows and what God would say, what Jesus would say, that what you really need is not a what, it's a who. So he says, I'm gonna give the Holy Spirit who is the giver of all good gifts. So I pray for strength. God, give me strength. What does he give me? He gives me the strengthening one, the Holy Spirit. I pray for comfort. What does he give me? The comforter. I pray for courage. God, give me courage. He gives me the encourager. He gives me the Holy Spirit. Jesus is correcting our desires. He's helping us to understand that he knows what's best. 
Imagine this. Imagine that the God of all creation who created all things, who sees the end from the beginning, who knows you better than you know yourself, who sees eternity past and present and future, knows that this life is just like a a little wisp of smoke, and he's saying, will you trust me? I'm giving you the Holy Spirit. But what do we do? We say, well, that's great, but can I still have that? Sort of like, imagine if you had a child that for Christmas, you just said, hey, Dad, can you just send the gifts this year, but can you stay away? We really don't want you. Just mail the check. That sometimes we can do that with God. It's like, God, just give me the stuff. And what God says, no, I'm going to give you myself and the person of the Holy Spirit. Who is this Holy Spirit? Well, he's the comforter. He's the encourager. He's what Paul says in Romans. I love this. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. So he's saying to those that are Jesus followers, here's what you've been given. You've been given a spirit by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, it's the same word that Jesus would have used in his home in Aramaic. It's the word for Father, Abba. One of the first words that he would have learned when he said, you're looking for me, Mom and Dad? Don't you know I would have been in my Abba's house? It's what he said on the cross, Abba, into your hands I commit my spirit. He knew his Abba, Father, and he says, that spirit is in you crying out, who is giving witness with our own spirit that we are what? Children of God. In other words, we belong. We have a home. We have a father. And it's, and it's born witness by the Holy Spirit who he gives us. The Holy Spirit is this confidence that comes to say, you are heard. It does matter when you pray. Don't believe the lie that it doesn't matter. You won't be heard. You will be heard. And the Holy Spirit is telling us that you are heard. It reminds me of an awesome story I heard from Russell Moore in his book, Adopted. He talks about how they had kids, but they wanted to adopt. And so they found out that they could adopt in Russia and they had a contact there, and they went to Russia to meet a little toddler that they had found out about. His name was Maxim. And they went to the, he writes about going to the orphanage and walking through the door, and he said the thing that hit him in the face was how eerily quiet it was. Here are all these kids. He said, and walk down these long hallways and crib after crib, bed after bed, Baby after baby, and toddler and toddler, and there was no crying. He said all he could hear was these children just bumping up against the slats in their cribs. And what had happened, he, he found out, was that these children had learned that crying doesn't matter. No one comes. And so they just learned to stop crying out. And they found little Maxim, this toddler, over several days, they started reading to him. He doesn't know English, but 
They're reading books about the cow jumped over the moon and stuff like that and singing songs like, Jesus loves the little children of the world. And doing this over several days and then coming to that point where they have to go come back to the U.S. to wait for all the paperwork to get done so they can go back and get little Maxim. And so on the last day, they're giving all these hugs and cries and goodbyes. He says, and he walks out of that room and he could feel his wife's shoulders shaking from the sobs. And I'll just read where he picks up in his book. He says, here's what happened next. That's when we heard the scream. Little Maxim fell back in his crib and let out a guttural yell. It seemed he knew maybe for the first time that he would be heard. On some primal level, he knew he had a father and a mother now. I will never forget how the hairs on my arms stood up as I heard the yell. I was struck maybe for the first time by the force of all the Abba cry passages in the New Testament. Verses I had memorized in vacation Bible school, but until now, I hadn't gotten it. Little Maxim's scream changed everything. More, I think, than the judge's verdict and the notarized paperwork, it was the moment in his recognizing that he would be heard. There are people in the world right now who don't pray anymore. They don't cry out to God anymore because there's, a, there's this lie that says you won't be heard. What does it matter? Maybe some of you in the room, you just quit praying to God because you believe that. Don't you believe it? There's a Holy Spirit who bears witness that we are his children. Yes, there are moments where in the middle of disappointment and despair and you stand there, I've been there praying, nothing happens. I prayed for people who are sick. God, please deliver them from this illness and I've watched them fade away and cross over into eternity. And there's a voice that says, what does it matter? But then there's another voice within me that says, Abba, where else can I go? So you stand there in the middle of your disappointment and you look up and you say, I know you hear me. And at that moment, maybe the light of Jesus would shine through upon a father that is also grieving that also understands what it feels like to suffer when he watched his son suffer on a cross, one who said, Father, why have you forsaken me? So that we can never look up and say, you don't get it, you don't understand. He does. And so we keep crying out to him. And we believe that he's still good and we keep asking, and every once in a while we see the greatness of God burn through and do amazing things and miracles that we can't explain. And then other moments where we stand in despair and we still choose to trust and say, I believe he's still my Abba Father. How would that change you and your prayers if you really believe that? Wouldn't it change the way you talk to God? Would it change 
the amount of time you spend on your knees? Would it change the way you see people? Would it change the way you forgive? The way you love your kids? I think it would. If we get this, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Would you pray with me right now? Jesus, I hear your words correcting our vision, defeating the lies that we've been fed. Who is this father who stands on the brink of eternity and still knows us by name, sees the sparrow fall, knows the hairs on our head, knows the number of our days, and still pays attention to us, who sits beside us in the person of the Holy Spirit to help us to pray when we don't know how to pray. Help us to stand when we feel like falling. I pray for my brothers and sisters right now who have stopped crying out to you that this would be the moment that they would say, yes, again, I come to seek you. I don't understand, but I'm seeking you. Seems like closed doors around me, but I'm gonna keep on knocking going to keep on knocking. I know you're good for it because you're a good, good father. Thanks again for joining us. You can check out thecrosspoint.com for more resources like this.